Okay, welcome back everybody to this week's edition of the Hashtag Five Things podcast, the distance Hashtag Five Things podcast. We're a smaller crew again this week, just through the nature of uh, the technicalities we're dealing with. So quick introduction to who is not in the same room together today. And uh, we have Kenny Gold, our uh, North of Grey's North American uh, lead for social media. Hello, everyone. And Toby Daniels, the founder and CEO, as always, of Social Media Week. Toby, hello, mate. Hello. So this week, um, without further ado, it's going to be a probably a slightly shorter version than most weeks, but we'll get straight to the meat of the podcast because I'm sure you all have CNN to go and watch and find out what's going on out in the real world. Uh, so the five things this week are, number one, Instagram launching co-watching. Uh, Toby's going to talk about that. Number two is Instagram testing new COVID-19 release relief gift card features, the relief gift card feature, and that's Kenny. Number three is Twitch hosting StreamAid 2020, which I'm going to speak about. Number four, Twitter donating a million dollars to support journalism. That's another Toby article. And number five is HQ Trivia was revived for COVID-19 relief, and that's Kenny, and that's a follow-up from uh, a previous HQ Trivia piece we did. So without further ado, I'm going to hand over to Toby Daniels to talk to us about Instagram launching, co-watching Toby. Thank you, Dan. This is sort of interesting story on, I think, two different levels. One, you just have, you know, another feature release coming out of Instagram, which is, you know, offering people a different way to experience the platform a different way to connect and engage uh, with, with you know, your friends and, and followers. But it also, given the context of how it, the context of when it was released, um, it is also interesting um, in terms of how this promotes the idea of social distancing. Of course, this wonderful new practice that we are all having to engage in. So let's just talk about, first of all, um, the actual kind of feature itself and, and what it sort of offers in terms of new functionality. So um, the new feature is called co-watching, uh, and this will allow you to browse posts, but with your friends over an in-app video chat. The feature can be accessed um, by basically through the sort of the, the DM kind of part of the Instagram app. So you go to the Instagram direct messaging tab, you tap on the photo icon bottom uh, icon in the bottom left of the video chat screen, um, and then it lets you look at saved, liked, and recommended posts together as a group. So, group video, um, not a new technology. Um, I think the, the sort of the, the co-watching feature, obviously, is you know to, to some extent a kind of a, a new um, iteration of group chat. Um, but group chat obviously has been been around for a while. But what's interesting, of course, is that we are now every day, all day, um, playing around with these like new group video chat kind of features across a whole range of different technologies. And as I think I mentioned last week, what's interesting about that is that it's establishing new behaviors, new ways of connecting and engaging. Um, and in a way, like group video, you know, kind of struggled a little bit. People kind of maybe didn't see the value or weren't using it that much. Um, and I think in many ways, it's because there was a lack of context or a reason to do it. And now, obviously, you know, we have that reason, which I think is super interesting. Um, but let's also talk about this in the context of COVID-19, um, because the way that this was kind of released and the announcement and a lot of the kind of press around it has been talking about the fact that Instagram is, 
you know, attempting to ramp up its efforts to combine to, to com combat coronavirus-related misinformation on its platform, while also giving people the tools to promote healthy behavior during COVID-19. So it's, you know, it's, I think it's, it's good. Um, you know, I don't want to be sort of cynical here. Um, I think that any effort that companies like Facebook and Instagram are making to sort of promote social distancing is obviously important. But, you know, the slightly cynical side of me obviously, you know, sees this as a little bit of a kind of jumping on the bandwagon. Let's continue to kind of reframe the conversation um, um, so people aren't talking about the negative aspects of our company, but instead of talking about the positive things that we're doing. Um, so attaching, I think, this feature to COVID um, is a little bit of a stretch for me. But what do you guys think? It's interesting, actually. We're, I was having this discussion yesterday that all of the platforms um, are very active right now in terms of uh, helping provide tools and utilities to combat this. But what that leads me to think about is the current state of the sort of compressed innovation curve, right? Ordinarily, what might take a year, 18 months, five years to come to market to become uh, widely used and adopted is now taking, I mean, look at Zoom. Is now taking two weeks. So there's this crazy compressed innovation curve, which I think you could look at both sides of. One is that the platforms are using this time to get innovation through real quick, right? Because they have mass testing opportunities and that. The other side of that curve is, you can all, there's a bit of a downside to that too sometimes, which is that they may also be using this to squeeze through those things that they previously wouldn't have got through as quickly. So it, it, it is an interesting time as it relates to that compressed innovation curve. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, th I you know, we, we're, 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 we're it, it, sorry, going. No, go on, Kenny, please. Yeah, I think it, it becomes, you know, I think because of COVID-19, we are framing it through that. But when I think about where Instagram really thrives as a storytelling platform, it actually is a really, really nice feature that allows for you to actually get people to not only engage with what they're watching, but also engage with other content on the platform in more of a seamless experience. So I think when we come out on the other side of this thing, I'll be curious to see which brand jumps in first to hack this to do a deeper story um, in an interesting kind of way. So for example, what if we start to see some live content that's happening and uh, all of a sudden, you know, you say to a friend, go to this page and find this piece of content first. So there's a, and I'll be curious to see what brands do to hack this versus just looking at it through the lens of what it means within the COVID-19 pandemic. Yeah, likewise, I agree. Um, so let's bump, jump onto number two, guys. This is the Instagram testing the new COVID-19 relief gift card feature, Kenny Gold. Yeah, and, and I actually think uh, this is yet another one where we're framing it through COVID-19 and it's about the ability for uh, users to go to a business's page and up top where it says follow, message, visit website, et cetera, actually buy a gift card or make a donation, which is a really nice natural feature uh, for this platform to have, given how many businesses, brands, small businesses use the platform uh, to market what they are doing. So I could see this as a New Yorker who thinks that only New York exists and everything else is not New York. Um, all those local restaurants and businesses could leverage this immediately to try and maybe stem the tide of, of what's going on. But I love it as a simple feature. It's very easy to access. You know, a lot of uh, the features that Instagram rolls out, we find out by going into the back end of a business page and just seeing what the options are. Um, so this is rolling out in limited release, but you can start to see uh, that it is an effort again from Facebook and Instagram to support small businesses in a very simple and native way to the platform. 
Yeah, what I love about this is, you know, and and it is great to see the ways in which the platforms are stepping up. What's critically important here is that these platforms have just extraordinary scales. So when they roll these things out, you know, you're able to not just test, but um, roll this thing out and, and reach and engage just a huge number of people. So it'd be great to see the kind of the impact and results of this. Um, but but this is precisely the type of thing that the platform should be doing at this point. Can we talk for a second? Listen, this is maybe a bit off five things topic, but the gift card idea, which is the idea of supporting and sustaining those local businesses that have to close their doors, right? The massively valid effort. How how do they not pay for that in the longer term then? So how when the doors reopen in, you know, hopefully a few weeks and everybody's coming in using gift cards, is this just about them flattening that revenue curve? Well, I, I keep thinking about this and I can't decide what the ultimate ambition is here. Toby? It's like a... It, oh, sorry. You want Ken, Toby? To Kenny, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Ken. I mean, honestly, I I think it's it's like a bridge load. Like in, in a lot of ways, I think I think I think these businesses feel like if they can just survive the first assault and they can wake up on the other side of this thing, that eventually life will return to normal and, and things will get back to normal. Um, it, it's it's the kind of thing where you know. You, you lose a dollar today to make three more tomorrow. And that's okay. You know, it's, the alternative is they get no money right now. They can't survive the, the, the storm and, and they're, they're in trouble. On CNBC yesterday, Tom Colicchio was talking about how the mid-tier restaurant groups are starting to even debate what their businesses look like on the other end of this thing and how they're going to have to reconstruct the floor of their restaurants to match sort of the new way that people want to be surrounded by other people. I think they need things like this to just get them to that point to even consider what's going to happen next. Yeah, very well said. Thank you, Ken. Um, okay, so number three is Twitch hosting their StreamAid in 2020, 2020 StreamAid. So um, firstly, StreamAid is a terrible name. Uh, they should probably not call it that again. But it, it just it is. Um, also, we don't need to harken back to something that happened in 1985 to a generation that were uh, 10 years prior to being born so that we can come up with a new name if we want Twitch. We'll help you with that. Uh, but what did they do? So StreamAid, if you weren't following or haven't seen the news, was a 12-hour charity stream featuring some of the biggest names in gaming, music, and sports. Um, and it was to benefit, of course, COVID-19 the Solidarity Response Fund for the World Health Organization. In total, the streaming platform, they raised, I think, somewhere in the region of $3 million, $2.7 million over the 12 hours. So what does it mean uh, in relation to what's happening right now? Uh, it was definitely an effective way for Twitch to use that platform and that reach, the reach that Toby mentioned earlier that these platforms have to raise money for the COVID-19 fund and, and certainly to engage an active community of viewers and streamers. But moreover, what I what I hope it did, besides, and I'll get onto the money that they raised in a minute, but besides that was continue to raise awareness for people to stay the fuck inside, right? This this is a continual problem. Um, we, we were lucky enough at Grey to work with our um, partners at P&G and our partners at TikTok to do an initiative a couple of weeks ago, which we mentioned on last week's podcast, aimed at trying to get... Um, 
Gen Z, the younger guys out there to stay home and distance. And so I hope this contributed to that. I'm sure it did to some extent, and not, not least of which perhaps during the 12 hours that it was on. Now on the money front, uh, the number I have in front of me is $2.7 million. All right, so uh, anything's good, everything's good. Certainly this endeavor was, was, uh, uh, was a powerful and smart move by them. But to give you some context, Live Aid, if they will uh, use that same naming, uh, naming convention, Live, Live Aid raised $127 million in 1985. And I did some quick mathematics using Google, which is about $300 million today, right? So we're, we're talking about 100x. Um, let's talk about, let's start with that, guys. I, listen, uh, I, I'm sure they'll do plenty more of these. Yeah. Uh, and I'm sure let's, that this let's is valuable. Really... But, but let, yeah. Let's get real. Yeah, so let's get let's let's get real here, right? First of all, Dan, you mentioned Live Aid in today's dollars raising 300 million. You know, Ice Bucket Challenge in a 3-month period raised 240 million dollars in 2014. Um so so I mean, when we're talking about real impact, um you know, with a very simple action, they were able to raise that much money. Um our our friends at, at P and G and Gillette actually sponsored StreamAid as well and and helped drive some of the talent that was there. And, and I think the the idea is right from a behavior standpoint. The question truly becomes: What is the KPI uh, uh, for success for this uh, for this program? If it's about awareness, at one point they had two hundred and forty million people watching this thing around the world. Um, so. You know, in my mind, it's like if they got people to stay home, uh, you know, that's that's a good thing. Um, but if the if the KPI is money, yeah, I mean, it was a little low. So um, I, I think everybody is trying to figure out what to do right now and is jumping on every trend they can possibly think of to come up with a creative idea. And uh, I think because we used the aid no, uh, naming convention, we put this level of gravitas on it that maybe it just doesn't necessarily need. Yeah, yeah, yes. I agree with that. I yeah. mean, I think it, I, it may be a bit of an it may be a bit of an anchor for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I, th I think you have to, you know, the size of the audience divided by however much money that they either intended to raise or did raise is is one, I think, way of evaluating it to kind of get a sense of like, well, hang on a second, if two hundred forty million people. Um, engaged and you only raised 2.7 million that's like you know a little more than a buck a person and it's just like not you know it's just not so not a buck a person i'm talking about um um 1.25 cents per person um so it's just not it's just not you know it, 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 it is not an impressive kind of um amount of money I, I also am with you though that you know everything that we should be doing right now is figuring out how we can support the recovery effort um, so it doesn't matter whether you're um, an individual celebrity influencer, brand, etc. Um, you should be doing something, because for me, the much the, the bigger issue here is that there are people hurting, businesses hurting, um, and you know mass layoffs, huge, you know, huge numbers of people who are now registering for or applying for unemployment. Um, we need to take the enormous amount of wealth that exists in this country and around the world and figure out the ways in which we can redistribute it. Um, and if this is a vehicle for that, great. I'm all about it. If this is a vehicle for the redistribution of wealth and to figure out how to kind of help people who are like suffering, um, 
awesome and I, i'll get behind any type of kind of sort of campaign in, in in that regards regardless of how much money they make i think the problem might be it's the problem and the benefit of twitch but you're talking to probably on the whole a very young or certainly the younger end uh, of, of all of those demo all of the demographics right uh all of the cohorts and the problem with that is they actually don't have any or much of their own disposable income. So the ability for me as a 14-year-old kid to hit donate, a couple bucks from that kid might feel like a lot, right? It isn't plugging into, exactly as you said, Toby, the older end, the broader, the more corporate end of that spectrum, which probably is capable of distributing larger numbers. And maybe that's a strategic tweak that uh, companies like us and Twitch can work together on to, to start to address. That, that's not... That's not to pour cold water on this. I appreciate the endeavor. Uh, I think more of these things need to be done. Um, and we should move on because we're already running over time and we're only at number three. So number four is Twitter donating $1 million to support journalism. Toby Daniels. I think you made the point uh, earlier on that it, it, during times of crisis, um, you know, there are some... Um, very interesting kind of innovations that sort of like are spawned um, and started um, and 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 significantly fueled during these times, um, and we can already see you know what's kind of like emerging in in that regard. I mean, I, I sort of talk about like you know what 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 shape um, do we think the phoenix will take when it rises from the ashes post Corona. Um, and so what's what's I think interesting about that in the context of what Twitter is doing is that they recognize an opportunity to fund and put money behind something that's just so fundamentally important right now, which is um, um, supporting journalism um, in a whole variety of different ways. And the one million dollars is obviously a fairly sort of, you know, immaterial amount of money at the end of the day in terms of like the ultimate impact that this can create given the kind of size and scale of the problem that we're talking about but what i would love to see is a significant amount of investment into these types of areas because ultimately post corona it's going to rep it's going to mean that journalism um is going to be in much better shape post this type of crisis in fact the crisis itself could be good for journalism um if you know, we we really get behind the things that ultimately matter. So so in, in, in this specific kind of context, what's happening is that Twitter is sort of, you know, recognized or identified um, two organizations that it wants to um, support for, for a few different reasons. Um, um, so they're putting, they're basically dividing a, a million bucks between uh, the Committee to Protect Journalists and then the International Women's Media Foundation um, to sort of support and further their work, particularly in regards to their reporting on COVID-19. Um, and they obviously, both of these organizations play like a really, like a hugely important um, role. One in terms of obviously helping to support the work of female journalists, and also in terms of defending journalists, in particular those that are working in like really complicated and or sort of like dangerous environments. But when we think about this, like, my question really for you guys is like if, when we see this type of investment and support and we then think about like how this can ultimately impact journalism in the longer term like what do we want to see come out of this like what are the sort of the changes or improvements that we you know beyond just simply protecting journalists you know are we are, are we looking for journalism to play 
um, a particular role at this point? Um, and you know, what do we want to sort of see come out of this as a product of this level of support? I don't want to. I don't want to speak over Kenny, but I, I have a my my. Well, here's a quick take from my point of view: is um, m- m- you know, putting the money to one side, the nature of. Uh, I was thinking about this this morning. Actually, I was watching CNN. The nature of journalism and news, in particular, and we should separate those two things. But news, from my point of view, uh, just the the challenge I think we have right now is that news has, over the last few years, ten years, fifteen years, maybe, become very sensationalized. It doesn't matter what channel you watch or where you where you tune in, um, and so therefore the nature of the news we're getting is hyperbolic to some extent, rather than perhaps what Toby and I are more used to growing up in the UK with the grand old BBC, rather than slightly more direct. Now, I would quite like to see, I don't know how that how this comes to life, but I wouldn't mind seeing to some extent uh, a clearer understanding of where perhaps I can find that, because I don't think that I would probably turn to Twitter for that. But I, I'd love to get back to some of that basic, not, not, not solely, I think there needs to be a variety of different flavors of how you consume your current affairs and news, but I'd like like that to be one element of this. And I think that's what we, you know, that's why Dr. Fauci is so loved right now because he's so direct and and it seems to be it seems to be uh, sort of factual news. Yeah, I I agree, Dan. I think that's really well said, and um, I, I think. It's a valiant attempt, and I think they're leveraging this opportunity to just put a stake in the ground and really be able to say, uh, you know, this is something we believe in. This is something that's prevalent on our platform, and we want to protect it. I think it's a nice move. I I think it's something the platform needs. Um, I just wish it wouldn't have come on the heels of something like COVID and just would have been something that they had done long before. Yes. Okay. Uh, So that's the, the that's number four covered. Number five is a return to a previous uh, thing we spoke about a few weeks ago, and that's HQ Trivia. HQ Trivia was revived for the COVID-19 relief. Kenny Gold, what's going on there? They are back. (laughs) HQ Trivia is back. Uh, Everybody get excited. So is Kenny Gold. (laughs) Uh, Very, very exciting stuff. So after a brief, brief hiatus, I think something like six to seven weeks, and after being funded by a personal donor, they are back. They gave away $100,000. It is the perfect time. We need it. We need our old friend like a security blanket. Will they last beyond this? I have no idea. But it is a silver lining uh, in, a, in a sea of not silver linings. So that is my shtick. Can, can you give, give, it, give us a very... Give us a very quick recap, because we know our listener numbers have shot up recently. Uh, go back, just give us the headline on what the, what the story was a few weeks ago. Yeah, of course. So HQ Trivia, which had been a juggernaut in the, uh, the live gaming space, um, w- uh, went away a couple weeks back when their CEO passed away. They had some financial problems. Their co-founder tried to keep the, the company alive. And then in mid-February, they, they were unable to sustain it. They had a whole host of a goodbye party. They drank on camera. They got drunk together. They hosted their final show. Uh, and people were pretty bummed about it. I mean, it was, it was a huge part of culture for such a long time. And then um, at the, uh, you know, finally, they shuttered the doors. They let go a few people that were working there uh, that still remained. And it was over. And then, like a phoenix out of the ashes, rising back to our phones, 
uh, it has returned, and um, we don't know how long it is here, but we're going to cherish those moments. Toby's. To- I think Toby may well be playing HQ trivia right now. Uh, I, I don't really have many thoughts on that, Kenny. I, I, I like I like the silver lining element of this. I think you're right. It does feel like something that falls into that bucket squarely of helping keep the population calm, being a, something that a lot of people loved. So I'm happy to see it back, especially if it helps with uh, what we have de- what we're dealing with right now. Yeah, for me, I, I, you know, I'm a little bit, I'm sort of having spent the last few weeks thinking a lot about um, how you engage people um, during this kind of time where everyone is working remotely, everyone's sitting behind their desktop, and, and people are obviously um, a little bit more motivated, I think, to sort of participate in these things because they're not constrained in the way that they might be if they were in the office. Um, so I'm interested in, in you know, just the, how this is kind of suddenly kind of surfaced again and, and what it represents in terms of, like, user behavior. Um, I'm also super interested in House Party and, and you know, the, the kind of the, that particular kind of app and what that represents. And I think we're just going to continue to see more and more of this. And, I, you know, look, yes, I think that it's somewhat... Um, you know, um, opportunistic. And in a way, that's okay. I, I don't mind that um, as long as it creates value and as long as they are not tone deaf and it seems that they get it. I think the donation obviously, like, allows them to kind of, like, sidestep that that sort of potential kind of criticism. So, yeah, I think it's interesting, you know, whether, they, I mean, I think we, we were all somewhat disappointed when they kind of shut at their doors. I think Matt Britton on our podcast made the kind of the, the the most salient point, which was that they just had the they they came out with the wrong business model, and it could actually have been a much more successful business if they had a more of a media mindset and and focus more on kind of programmatic as a way of making revenue. But like, let's not get into the details of that. Um, ultimately, it's just nice to see that that you know nice to see them back. Right, uh, that wraps up our five things this week, team. And I want to thank Toby and Kenny for dialing in. Um, from whichever room and closet they might be in. I'm currently standing in the closet. Um, we will be back with you. We're back on regular, our regular schedule. So every week, the Hashtag 5 Things podcast will be back for a bit of roundtable discussion on what's new in terms of social innovation. I think one thing to note, and we've seen this from all five things today, is that in the periods of, during periods of the biggest challenges, most innovation occurs, right? So we saw this in the the great recession of 08 a lot of innovation came out of that and i think we're going to see this now so hopefully we're going to have a lot of things to talk about a lot of positive things to talk about on the podcast for the next few weeks um in a world gone mental that might be helpful so i want to thank everybody for listening thank our guests thank to is that toby chuckle in there yeah i thought that was i thought it was quite funny Dan. is, is that accurate though right toby? um mm. our- all right i'm not laughing i'm done laughing stuff. Crazy. all right stay well stay healthy my friends and we'll see you next week we'll see you keep your spirits up exactly we'll see you next week thank you bye-bye bye bye the five things podcast is produced by andrew petty grace mcdougall joey scarillo john dylan and al manorino and recorded at townhouse studios gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. Social Media Week is a leading conference and industry news platform that curates and shares insights, emerging trends, and best practices with the world's smartest digital marketers. Gray is the exclusive global creative insights partner for Social Media Week. 
Check out more at gray.com.